Well, welcome to the really Your Marriage Can Get Better podcast. I'm Joel with my my uh, my good friends. The Brights, Richard and Sherry. That's right. So we wrote a book together called Really uh, Your Marriage Can Get Better. And it's uh, a story of hope that we believe that's just going to really help you with two simple steps to really bring the love back to life in your marriage, no matter how loveless it may seem or how good it may seem, it can, can get better. And uh, so in, in the book, uh, we talked about in the first few episodes, we talked about the transition from tipping to giving. Right now we're in the middle of talking about the transition from isolation to community. And I want to talk specifically today about, uh, with you guys about vulnerability. There's a story in Luke 5 where there's this paralytic guy that, you know, Jesus is preaching in this house and um, these guys are so determined to get their, their buddy healed that they actually tear out the roof of the house and drop him down. Um, and then Jesus ends up healing the guy. And I think that is such an example of what it's like a lot of times when we're in a hard place in our life or in our marriage. If you don't have a community of people around you who can carry you when you're weakest, um, you're probably not going to get the healing you need. Because a lot of times what we do is we, we talked last in that last podcast about isolating ourselves. And when you isolate, um, it's just not going to go anywhere good. But when you're vulnerable and say, man, guys, I can't walk. Can you at least, can you carry the ball for me or get me to where I need to go? And that's the cool thing about this is Jesus did the healing, but the people around them, around this guy, even in his vulnerability, brought him to Jesus. Yeah. And I think that's the power. And that's the story you guys yeah. talk about in of, of community. I mean, how do you know that you need to be helped? You know, how do you know that you need to be raised through or lowered through the ceiling? You know, we need to come to terms with the fact that we need help. Mm. That's what vulnerability is, is we're not capable of doing this on our own. Yeah. And you know, one thing we didn't mention last podcast about the isolation friend, but you know, how do you know if you have the right friends, you know, and we always say, just ask your spouse, they'll, mm. they'll tell you, <laughs> you know, yeah, they, they will. I mean, Richard was always like, like, you don't understand these guys have been here my whole life, but but we needed people that were going to... You, you brought up something in that last one. You said David Ashley had said this. David Ashley Willis said that, you know, you want somebody that's for you, for God, for your spouse, and for your marriage. And, I mean, that's that kind of... That four, it's almost kind of like the four pillars, four corners of the guys that lowered yeah. the, their buddy down yeah. through the... You need people on all four yeah. corners to carry you where you are. And, again, the goal is so that... Not so you're walking around as a lame person all night. The goal is to get healed. Right. Yeah. But we all have to come in with our vulnerability and say, man, our marriage... We've made a mess of it. Right. Yeah. It's right. just, it is, it's a mess. It is what yeah. it is. And we've tried everything we can, um, but it's a mess. And that's the hard part though, man. Who well, wants to admit you messed up? Nobody right. well, does. And, yeah. But you want also people cheering you on, encouraging you that, you know what? It's going, yes, really your marriage can get better. Yeah. Wait, that should be a book. That's a brilliant title. Let me write that down. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> but I mean, you do, you need cheerleaders. You need people that are, I, I can only imagine when that guy was getting carried that they weren't cheering him on and talking to him. Yeah. And, like, dude, you're going to get, you're, you're going to be healed. healed. You're going right, to right, right. meet you Jesus. You know what's He's about gonna, to happen, you know, right? right? Like, yeah, you're you know, walking home with us yeah, tonight, right. buddy. Nothing looks right. like that in my natural eye, but they're saying that. And that's how we feel with our tribe, with you and, and your wife the same way. You know, we've got those people in our lives that are, that are, um, but you have to be vulnerable. We have to be vulnerable with each other, and that's that's hard because you might get hurt. Because how's everything going? Great. Fine. How good. are you? Fine. Good. How's your marriage? Good. Great. God is good all God the time. Is good yes. all the time. Yes. <laughs> Blessed to be a blessing. Right. I'm highly favored. You yes. Know? You got all those. Things. And in the in the back of your mind, you're like, my husband is the biggest. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. You know? 
But we why see. Is he breathing? Why does he have to keep doing that? You know, we, we also heard this, that in this, and you probably could pour into this, Joel, that in the Western culture, we are designed to pick out the negative in everything, Right. Isn't that something that we were taught? I'm wondering if that's human nature in general. Because I remember when my son would come home with five straight A's in all the classes and have one F in D in in English when I used to fail English as well, uh, as my foreign language, that I would say, I, I wouldn't even think of the A's. I was just like, Dylan, how could you get an F in English? You know, you could, why, you couldn't get a C? You, you need to study harder any, instead of saying, look at all the A's you got and all right. these and calculus and so. look at, right. You could have been like, it looks like you're, you're pouring a lot of energy into four, four subjects. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And you're just blowing English off. You know, We want to fix that broken problem. You know, that's just what we want to do. And instead of saying, you know what? Then how can we help? Look at what you did here, and look at these other classes. You're just excelling in all those. That's so fantastic. You're so smart. You're brilliant. You know, and 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 focusing on the good, we focus on the negative. And that's with our spouse too, you know. Right. So who like wants it. to come in yeah. and say, "How long have y'all been married? Twenty? And y'all are failing at this? What's wrong with y'all? <laughs> you know, nobody wants that. Yeah. You know? yeah. That. So the idea with a community around you. So it's interesting that we. Um, we we, call, we decided to call the chapter five "Get Naked." It's yeah. so provocative, right? <laughs> Everybody wants to get naked, right? Uh, so, but what's interesting is, you know, the the first thing that Adam and Eve realized when sin had entered the world is they realized they were naked, and it made them scared. And that's just a, I mean, that's such a natural thing in human nature of that. Nobody, we don't want to acknowledge that under our clothes we're naked. I mean, not just naked physically, but emotionally too. It's like I don't want to show everybody that I'm. I feel naked because, man, nakedness is vulnerability. Uh, what's that? There's that crazy show on TV where they tell people to get naked in the wilderness and survive. Oh, oh. Uh, naked it's called and Naked afraid. and Afraid. Naked yeah. And afraid. I mean, well, we ought to do couples every, edition. <laughs> every day is Naked and Afraid with you. Okay? <laughs> every day. But that's, the ex- <laughs> <laughs> but that's the example of what it's like. It's like you got nothing to defend yourself against the right. world. And who wants to be in that position? Ooh. And that's what vulnerability feels yeah, like. Yeah, it's, it's like, I'm not going to be vulnerable because I will get eaten or bit by a right, snake right, or right. something. Right. So, but yet that's the place God intended us to be in, in the safety of him is actually a place where we're okay with being vulnerable. And again, we talked about this last episode, the body of Christ is his expression. And if there's no, there's no other place to get, let's say emotionally naked yeah. than in the church, yeah. uh, well, first with your spouse, yeah. but then also honest about where your marriage is at with the church. Cause there's no safer place in the world. Obviously, You've got to be careful about yeah. it. Absolutely. Yeah, you've got to be wise. You've got to be wise, right? And you've got to, a lot of it, and I think I'm rambling now, but a lot of it comes from if you haven't built a relationship with people, yeah. you don't get the luxury of just coming out with it. And we see right. that a lot of times too, where people come and like, they're finally willing to be vulnerable about, about how bad their marriage is, but it's too late now. Right. And nobody knows who you and are. Nobody knows you. And nobody, yeah. Yeah. Not, whereas if they've been, that relationship. yeah, if they've been walking with you along the way and you've been vulnerable in the beginning, but what happens a lot of times we get vulnerable after everything's been stripped away from us instead of voluntarily surrendering it and saying, I need help. Well, you know, you know okay. well, I see, we see people come to our class and, you know, we'll ask, are there any questions? And the wife will raise the hand. Sherry did this to me. Um, 
don't do this. <laughs> no, Sherry, you know, and, and they'll say, you know, my husband's this, my husband's that. Is he there? I, it, yeah, and he's there sitting oh. right next to her. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're never going to see them again because now he's been humiliated yeah. and he'll never come back to yeah. this class, you know. Uh, or she's been humiliated. She's never coming back. No matter what you do now, they're never coming back because you called them out. We, When Sherry called me out in class, um, it was the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me. And I already knew that I was never going to step foot in that church again. But as I was walking out of the class, a guy touched me on because you know let's just we're going to be transparent vulnerable. here and be vulnerable. Um, at the end of the class, the you know the teacher goes, "Anybody have any questions?" And Sherry raised her hand, and I thought, "Oh, go ahead, baby, you go ahead." You know, I'm thinking this. I wasn't saying it out loud. I said, "Go ahead, tell all your stuff." <laughs> and yeah, I'll support you. And she's all like, all this stuff sounds great and all the hereafter. But what do you do when your husband wants to step up and snort cocaine and watch pornography and drink beer all night? Is you like, wait, this husband right, right next to me? Right, right, right. <laughs> she's talking about her other husband. You know, and, she's uh, had two. Right. She's had, this, I'm her third one. But, you know, I was so shocked. I mean, I could not believe she had just done this. But we didn't know. She didn't know. She's well, trying to get help. I think help, I was also you know? very at the end of my rope. It was like we were about to... We were almost done. Like it was about to be where we were. I had nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. That's how I felt. Like I'm just going to put it out there and let's just see this church thing. Let's see now. Okay, guys. Now y'all want to get real and vulnerable. Right. And you got to think this was a couple of years into, let's see, probably a few months into our marriage. Uh, and this went on for another, what, five years, six years, you know, not so yeah. hard on the drugs and the drinking, and the, but it was still prevalent in our relationship. But I remember walking out, and I was I was smiling at everybody, and already, in my heart, I already knew that as soon as I get out of these doors, I'm going to tell her truly how I feel, and I will never come back to church again. Mm. This was this was the cab. This was it. I was waiting for a reason to tell her that I'm not going back to church, and now she gave it to me. But on the way out, a guy. I mean, God is so good. A guy grabbed me on my shoulder, and I thought, Oh, here we go. I'm not, you know, godly enough. I'm not, you know. Christian enough. And he just goes, man, I am so glad your wife brought that up because we're dealing with the same. I'm dealing with this issue right now and I don't know where to get help. I don't know how to get help. Uh, can you help me? Who, who are you seeing? And instantly this shame that I was carrying out was gone. Wow. Right? Now I wasn't healed. I wasn't delivered right, right then, right. but the shame that I had felt, uh, I wasn't carrying anymore. And I was all like, wow, there's somebody else in this with me. I have and I wish I knew who that guy was. To this day, Joel, I wish I knew who that guy was because he does not know how powerful what he said at that moment wow. was. Now, how many times has somebody approached somebody and said, hey, man, I know what you're going through. I know how you feel. Man, stick with us and we'll walk back through this. We'll walk through this together. And you didn't give him the chance and you left that community. Yeah. But, but being really vulnerable, I remember thinking, oh, Wow, Richard, like it was okay. it's okay. Everything worked out. Thank you, Jesus. Like it wasn't too bad that I called him out. And then we got in the car and Richard said, Let me just tell you something right now. I will never be one of those um <laughs> type of people. And he's doing his hands like he's doing yoga, you know? And I go, What are you talking about? And he goes, I'm not gonna be one of those yoga people. And I was like, Richard, this is church. It has nothing to do with that. Like, whatever are you talking about? And then he, I mean, he proceeded to like bang his fist on the dashboard. We're driving down the freeway. I'm crying. He's so angry. And he said, I just want a divorce. Like he's screaming at me. 
and I just think about that. We think about that now going, how is that even us? Like we were at that place that just so listeners, I mean, being vulnerable is all about being vulnerable, but that's how bad things were. We were at that past the point of where we thought there was any hope of our marriage getting any better. Yeah, I agree. So that, that what's interesting that you pointed out that you said, uh, what, what the shift that happened when you're like, Oh, I'm not the only guy that struggles this. Right. And there's this verse in, in James where he says, confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. And I mean, who wants to come? If you grew up Catholic, you really don't want to confess. Yeah. Right? Right. <laughs> right. But who wants it? But it's interesting that there's that, that blessing that comes on the end is that Job may be healed. And what, that's an exact example of it. You said you, you felt all the shame. First of all, you probably didn't like what you were doing anyways, because right. sin always brings this horrible feeling afterwards. Absolutely. It leaves you, it costs you more than you want to pay. But, uh, but then when somebody admitted that they had that struggle, they confessed to you. It's like all of a sudden you both got some healing from it. Like, right. well, actually Sherry confessed for you at first, right? Yeah. But, <laughs> but my, my, welcome, Holy my Holy Spirit spoke up. Right. My Holy Spirit sounds just like Sherry. It's funny. But that's a, I mean, that's a powerful thing there that, that, cause we don't want to admit our weakness, our vulnerability, but yet it's in that weird space that when we're willing to admit it, God's like, ah, now I can bring right. some healing. And guess what? That didn't happen at home. It happened in church. Right. So I went back to church because good things are happening here. They don't, oh man, I wished it would have, I could have gone in there and God would have just knocked me out and I woke up a completely different just person. Delivered, like just a, delivered. Yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, that would have been great. When you hear you those know? stories, it's so great, right? Yeah, and you're like, awesome. We're so happy for you. But the rest of, for, but yeah, for the rest of us. It didn't happen like that for us. Ours has been a journey. <laughs> no, and those are the those are the disheartening stories. Again, I've been hanging on the church for 40 something years. Those are the disheartening stories as you hear the person that overnight was delivered from yeah. alcohol, overnight was delivered from product, and you're like, how come God's not right. doing that for me? Right. Well, and, and when it wasn't happening with Richard, then I was like, then we need to have this instant thing. It's happening for everybody else. Obviously, yeah. you're not close enough to the Lord, so you better read your Bibles. <laughs> but more. those those are the outliers. Yeah. I mean, those really yeah, are yeah. the outliers. And and here's the thing: this is the cynical pastor's kidding me. I won't be like, yeah, but can you hold on to what God did for you? Mm. Because if you get it too easily. You often won't hold on to it. That's so good. Yep. Oh my god. Because gosh. sometimes I think it's even. I mean, I'm not saying that some people don't instantly get delivered. And they do. They life. do. And they it's do. amazing. I've seen yeah, it. Yeah. But I also know there's sometimes it's an emotional thing. Like they think they're delivered, but then they don't walk. You're right. Yeah. It and stick. They don't walk it out. I mean, for us, we, I think every single thing in our life, we it's almost a joke for us now that we go. Uh, nothing's ever easy for us. Like there has not been one thing that has been easy in our marriage. One thing that we have uh, <laughs> overcome. That has been easy. Not one. I mean, it's like you just name it. It's uh, we right have now, a, even the We courts. have a, that was easy button, and we hit it, and it yes. doesn't even work. And, the, and the battery's dead. Yeah, yeah the battery's dead. <laughs> I mean, it, we, we finally thought that right before this quarantine, if you're listening to this 2020, the quarantine, we thought, you know, we had all these bookings, and we were at comedy nights and, and uh, marriage conferences, and we were doing our videos, our and we were getting about to write full. a book. We had a full 2020, and we had great trips playing with our friends, like all these things, and then everything came to a screeching halt, and we just, we we're like, of course it did, because... Everything has been hard for us. It has been a journey, but we don't look at it now and go, woe is me. Like, well, we just go sit in the corner and suck our thumb. It's like, you know what? We got to pull ourselves back up like always. And God's pivoting us. We got to pivot a little bit yeah. more, but everything has a story, has a, there's always some reason and God's teaching us something. Well, and that's the, that's another part that's interesting is that God really does. And he says he gives grace to the humble. Um, he resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I think that 
part of vulnerability is being humble enough to admit, man, I can't even figure it out on my own. Like, man, we had a great plan going for this year. And then all of a sudden overnight it's done. There's no, all the speaking gigs, you know, dried up for, they're going to come back. But for now it's like, there's no foreseeable future. And, and I think that's a huge part of it is that Proverbs three, five and six is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding. Don't be trying to figure it out on your own in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. But that's a very vulnerable place to be because you have no control over that. Mm. No. But you know, it's so everything that I we think look back on. He was preparing on. us when he when when he flooded our house because my wife was praying for it. You know <laughs> what? Well, I was praying that we could purge everything. I just I was like, I really want to do a spring cleaning, like go through all the cloth, like do all this stuff. And Richard always says the flood happened because I prayed it. Um, but I think that <laughs> that that we um, my prayers my prayers are powerful. Right. We you talk we talk about that in the book by the way. Yeah. That they, they lost their house to a, a hurricane flood. So yeah. yeah, and. Um, but I was going to say, what were we saying right before that? There was something really good, too, I wanted to, to say about the, um, about no, going through things. That when we go through things and when it's vulnerable and it's hard, all these things we've gone through has always been a blessing. Like there's not one thing that we haven't looked back on and thought, wow, we didn't see it at the time. Going through it, it seemed like the worst, hardest. Like how could God, like how could this happen to us, Lord? Like why can't we ever cut a break? But every time God says, well, I can do it your way, but my way is going to be a little different and it's not going to be what you planned, but it's always better, even though it's not happening right then. The hurricane, there are people that we met. I mean, our house is cute now. Like there's people we would met. We, so many blessings came from that. But right in the middle of that, you could not have told us. You, well, know. you guys were the one on the mat during that. And you said that, but you said that you mentioned that in the book that had this happened with the, 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 the house getting destroyed before the marriage, before the marriage got better, uh, before you had the community, oh. you would have just taken, packed up your golf clubs and yeah. gone. Yeah. But you became the person, the vulnerable person on the mat that you had to have your friends carry you for yeah. a little while. Right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and, and yeah, I was going to say too, that, that, we just talked about this yesterday too, about being in the valley that sometimes, well, so when this happened, when our house flooded, people were coming over to help us to gut our house. They were giving us money and all these things. But Richard and I were very proud and we were always the ones helping. So we didn't want to be helped, yeah. even though we needed help and we had no idea what was going to, we didn't even have a place to, we were basically homeless. Like we did not know what was happening. Our cars weren't like everything was, we had no idea what was going on. And, um, but then people were trying to help us and we were saying, no, thanks. We're good. We're good. And one of the pastors at our church said, stop blocking people's blessing. Like this is your turn. Mm. You put so much seed in the ground. Now it's your turn to reap that harvest. Like it's, it might not seem like it right now, but now it's your turn. And sometimes with community, like we have to, we're not always in the valley. Like right then we were in the valley and other people were out washing their cars and life was going on. And we're like, didn't you know our house flooded? Like, you know, it's hard to even see it, but sometimes, sometimes you're in the valley though. Like you, and maybe next time your friends in the valley and you're not in the valley. Like right right now with this quarantine, even though all this stuff happened to us, we feel almost embarrassed that we're, I don't want to say we're happy that it's happening, the quarantine part. It hasn't but, affected you as much but, as others. Right. right. Yeah. We are, I mean, we're there's people thriving. that are really hurting, but it's not our valley this time. Somebody else is going through a valley, but this time it's our turn to, okay, what can we do in this time? And then next time it's the, our valley and the next, you know, that's just life. Well, and when you've really been through the valley and somebody comes and, I mean, you know, when somebody's been, you've heard, you've probably been around people like that, where it's like, you hear them talking, they're like, they're talking out of a book, but then you have people that talk out of the experience and you're like, they get it. Yes. Um, 
which is a big challenge, I think, too, because a lot of times we think we can't get things from people that haven't been through exactly what we've been through. And I think one of the biggest lies the enemy tells us is nobody understands my pain. Right. Nobody's ever had it like this before. You don't before. know my no. wife. Right. Yeah, you don't know my wife. There's no woman like nobody's as evil as her, right? <laughs> She's um, so controlled. Yes. But, and that's a really dangerous place to be in too because re- that's that's not true vulnerability because what you're actually saying is I'm unique, my problem is unique. But there's a real interesting verse that says, no sin has come upon many man that isn't, isn't common to everyone. And so whatever you're going through, don't believe the lie that you're the only one that's got it this yeah. bad. Because first of all, it's kind of egocentric. Uh, and right, it right, right. Yeah, it's, like, it's not just you. Yeah, right. nobody's ever had it as bad yeah. as me. <laughs> but, it's not all about you. Yeah, <laughs> but that's a huge one is, is yeah. well, nobody clear. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, you, it'd be easy to think, nobody in here must struggle with pornography. Right. And then somebody brings up the P word and everybody's like, <gasps> right. but you know there's 10 guys yeah. in the room going, oh, yeah. Wow, right. I'm not alone. Right. Well, there's yep. one other guy. So there's two of us in the room, and there's nine other guys that are quiet. They're like, yeah, talk about right. it, talk about it, because I need the help, but I can't. I'm not going right. to be vulnerable enough no. to say anything, and I'm going to let my marriage go down the tubes. You know? Nobody else has screwed the front door shut with the drill and locked her wife out. Right. Wait. That's, oh, that's us. There's always no. That is just us. <laughs> <laughs> there's always more people. It kind of reminds me of a pastor one time, and he got up and he said. On Sunday morning, he said, the Lord has revealed to me that there's somebody in this audience that's cheating on their wife. And if you don't come and confess by this week, I'm going to call you out in public Sunday. And that week, 14 people came and confessed. He's like, oh, yeah, (laughs) I just thought it was one of you. Well, you know, Rich, we think about this, you know, talking to couples and stuff they've been through and, and. You know, everybody's thing is relative to what they're going through and it's hard, but but we just we know just from going through our own marriage and our own life, just in seventeen years, it's like we've lived forty years of a marriage because we've gone through all this stuff with the pornography and the drugs, the alcohol, the the um you know, our the we had a lot of grief in our in our family and I lost my mom, I lost my father. Mm. My sister Robin, my sister Suzanne, my brother Michael, my niece Donna OD'd, my best friend Robin OD'd, Richard's, and then and then that was like within a five year period of our marriage when we were in the worst part of our life. Like everything was going, you know, to hell in a handbasket. Can we say that? I mean, it was all going so bad, and we were trying to get custody of his kids, so we had no money. We were like living on food stamps. I mean, all these things were happening. And then we finally got past that stage and got better. And then even just the, we had the flood, our house floods. And then Richard loses his mom, his sister and his brother all within about six months. I mean, this has been our marriage. Like I said, nothing. And we're not saying this to feel sorry for us. We're just saying that to be vulnerable, like this has been, we've had to be vulnerable and this has been a hard road, but we're still doing it. We're still, we're like the energizer bunny. We just keep on coming we just keep getting back up and going and right. and we realized that man when life knocked on our door and we answered it when we were five and we were like life is that you <laughs> yes. and life says yes richard it is me what are you doing here life i've been waiting for you my whole life and he says i'm here to give you good news and i'm here to give you bad news and i said life what's the good news He goes, the good news is i'm going to show up every day and kick you right in the butt I'm like, man, life, that's the good news. Well, what's the bad news? And life said, you're never going to get used to it. <laughs> that's true. We, we have, life has a way of, oh, be, man. and we all get beat up in our unique yes, way. Yes, yes. But that's just unique to us. But I think that's kind of in wrapping up this, 
this section of it, I think one of the things that we really stress in the book is this, is just, I mean, to put it in wildlife terms, when a lion and our enemy has been compared to a roaring lion, when he wants to pick off some, you know, in a, if you look at these, you know, African wildlife movies, you've got all these wildebeests hanging out together in a mob. When he wants to to eat, all he's got to do is roar enough to scare one person away from the herd and very quickly he picks off that one that got away from the herd. And Absolutely. You're not a wildebeest, but uh, there's still that truth that, man, there is a power in getting in the yes. protection and environment of a community around you that's yes, going to help you, yes, carry you, and, yes. and you're less of a target yeah. Yes, when you've got the people around you. I know if I, I was mean, in the middle of the Amazon, I wouldn't want to be there by myself. I would feel way more comfortable if I had about 50 or 60 people around me. Well, and I think just going through all yeah. these things in life is just so much easier when you have people around you. to. Not everybody understands, and, but man, you're going to find in a group yeah. of 50 or 60, you're going to find five to 10 that really get you, that really understand. And, and, and honestly, I mean, this is something, well, I think we joke about this in the book, that um, if, if people aren't saying they have marriage problems, it's because they're either over 80 and are too tired to fight <laughs> or, yeah. or they're just ignoring what's yeah. actually there, yeah. um, which is going to come out eventually, right? Yes. So it's, if you see that, if you see that it's there, it's like you start off with, with this episode by saying, "Richard, if you see it's there, admit you need the help." Yes. Um, it's and too many people. You, you say that you told me that once that you've gotten to the point where when somebody shows up to you at church and is like, "Are you are you the marriage guy?" You don't even like yeah. be like, "What's your name?" You're like, "How long has you been gone, man?" Right. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's so funny, uh, uh, Joel. If I if I could write down the names, hundreds of guys that have come up and said, "Hey." Man, when's your class? I'm going to get involved in your class. I just got my Bible. Uh, you know, when's the maximized manhood? And they're they're so excited. Yeah. I just look at them and say, how long has she been gone? Yeah. Because now they're willing to do anything and everything. All the things she wanted. All the things that she wanted. And it wasn't that she wanted. She just wanted to have the man of God. She just yeah. wanted to have a, a man who was praying over the family, protecting the family, giving guidance, giving love, giving direction. You know, when I heard be the priest of my house, man, that was such a faraway concept because I had never seen that role model to me. I didn't know what that looked like. To me, I was a personal failure in my own life. Now I'm going to fail my wife and my kids. And oh my gosh, this is going to be too overwhelming. But that community, because I got vulnerable, because my wife said, you know, it wasn't like, this is it. If you don't do this, that forgiveness that she gave me that we've been talking about helped spark something in me that I wanted to grow and not be that same man that I had been up until that point. So when I did get around community, I just didn't say everything that was on my mind until the guys that I was around, you know, a few of them would confess. And then because they were confessing, then I'd confess a little bit. And yeah. it was that we, we were building trust with each other. And you know? that's an important thing too, is hey, this is so important especially with the, right now we're in the season of online church and God bless it. It's what we've got right now, but man, being around those people is so important because what happens a lot of times is we get the illusion of having community on social media. So we stay in, we're like right. voyeuristic on other people's yeah. lives. Yeah. And if you're judging based on what people are putting on social media, how good their life wow. is, your marriage uh-uh. is, well, first of all, you're going to be forever discontented because what people show you on Facebook is their highlight reel. Yeah. On Instagram is their highlight reel. And the other challenge is, um, I mean, we've talked about this. I, think, I don't want to be too cynical, but 
And the more people tell me how in love they are on Facebook with their spouse, the more I'm like, wow, they're really struggling. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I I tell Rich all the time, I want, and now our life is like that. Like I want to live whatever I'm putting out there. I want that to be how we are. I don't want to be like, we're looking at us. And then we're, oh, don't even talk to me. I mean, we, we meet couples all the time that we saw them go on a cruise last week and she got a diamond bracelet and a new puppy and all this. And then we're talking to them till midnight because it's their last resort and they're about to split up. And I, yeah, the cruise was to try and save the marriage, right? Like what is happening? You know, what are you going to do with that? But but that's, that's the (laughs) unintentional lie. And I don't think people intentionally lie, but I think they want to be positive and upbeat. And so it's like, but what happens is that's all we see. And so we're always here struggling. We just got into a fight with our wife where, you know, she threw the cast iron skillet at your head and the, yeah. there's a big hole in the wall. I don't know if it's that bad for some people, but uh, never happened to me. I got rid of my cast iron, <laughs> I got rid of my cast iron skillet. It's, it's, I got something much lighter. Heavy. Protective measure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we went with aluminum, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're going with throwaway. We're going with some throwaway. <laughs> but, but what happens is you just had this fight and then you're yeah. scrolling on Facebook trying to console yeah. yourself. And you're yeah. like, they're on a third cruise. Right, for the right, you're like, right. Oh, they, look how he look at they're on the love yeah. cruise look at her, what? How, what her husband does but if know? you were to really get together and around them you'd be like oh it's all smoke and mirrors yeah. man like we're yeah. right, but again the goal isn't so you can compare your marriage to no. others the goal is to realize um what you see on social media is not something to compare right. your life to no. and if you're comparing it's not going to work but if you're willing to confess it's really what it is it's confessing no. like the good the bad and the ugly yeah. um you know we, it's not all negative there's good things too yeah but when you've got that willingness to be vulnerable about it, it just opens the door. It, like you said, the shame lifting off of yes. you. Well, yes. Well, you know, I see and people I like, uh, like mega churches and stuff. You know, we go to a mega church and people a lot of times choose a mega church because they don't want that community. They don't mm. want, they want to be able to isolate. They want to go to church, do what they're, check it off their list or maybe get their spirituality, whatever, you know, they go to church, they get their message and then they sneak in and sneak out. And we did that for a long time. We didn't want anybody coming to our house. Like we were these leaders at church, but we never had anybody over. Like we were just, um, but after a while, you know, and people say we can't go to a mega church and, and have community, but truthfully, we've been at a mega church for 14, 15 years now, and we found our tribe. And there's lots of little tribes, and really, yeah. it, you can find we have our little community within our church, and there's a million of those little communities. So, plus, I had to go to a mega church with all my mega yeah, sin. If, if I'd have gone into <laughs> a regular church, up. it would have just burned <laughs> up. <man. laughs> That's a very good point though. If you seek, you will find. Yes. So if you're seeking community yes. rather than seeking isolation, yeah, yeah, yeah. you will find it and you're going to find, man, you're just going to find that group of people around you that'll lift you up when you're feeling weak. And yeah, well, you sound just like my spirit wife <laughs> who says that what you are looking for is also is looking at the same for you. time as looking for you. You know, that's, that's a great Zen way to end this. <laughs> For more encouragement for your marriage, pick up a copy of Really, Marriage Can Get Better on Amazon.com and visit brightermarriage.com.